It's time for Mac Geek Gab, and our quick tip this week comes from listener Jeff. Way back in episode 892, we shared the tip that if you are in Spotlight on the Mac, you know, so command spacebar, start searching. If you scroll down in the Spotlight interface to a file, if you hold down the command key, it will show you in the Spotlight interface the path to that file, what folders it is in. Jeff points out that if you press command return, then it will open the finder window that contains that file with that file selected. So you can get right to it in the finder. Of course, if you just press return, it'll open the file in whatever app is built to open the file. More quick tips like this, plus your questions answered today on Mac Geek 996 for Monday, August 21st, 2023. Greetings, folks, and indeed, welcome to Mac Geek Gab, the show where you send in your quick tips like that one, your cool stuff found, like we might talk about later in the show, I think we will, and your questions into feedback at MacGeekGab.com. We take your quick tips and your cool stuff found and we share them. We answer your questions and we string it all together into an agenda that hopefully not only makes sense and has a flow to it, but also ensures that each and every one of us are going to learn at least five new things every time we get together. Sometimes maybe even 10, right? That's what the show is about We've got so much in store for you today, and I'm stoked to get to it here in Durham, New Hampshire. I'm Dave Hamilton. And here in Lee, New Hampshire, it's Pilot Pete. And speaking of flow, Dave, I think I'll be over in the Ark to pick you up later. It's just, it's pouring <laughs> again. It's pouring it's, again here. Yeah, it's crazy. This it's crazy. is the wettest summer I can remember. And back in 97 or 98, it was pretty wet in New Hampshire. But this, this has been amazing. This has been something. Yeah, the summer of 23 has not had too many dry days, but it's all right. We're rocking and rolling. We get to podcast in the rain. So it's there perfect. There you go. Podcast um, in the rain. I we like also it. watch TV uh, in the rain. And listener Tony uh, helps point out to us that we can use uh, Siri to control our Apple TVs. And... Uh, he says, uh, I like to use Siri commands to uh, pause and resume my shows. He says, I was having trouble forget uh, remembering the word resume. And so I used the words continue playing. And that also worked. So you can do this with your Siri remote, of course. And I think it would also work if you have a HomePod in the room with your TV. That would also trigger the Apple TV to pause and resume. It's really nice to be able to pause just by saying pause. Uh, so yeah, thanks for uh, thanks for the heads up. But but yeah, resume and or continue playing and probably other phrases as well. So you can send in your favorite favorite Siri phrases to us here at feedback at macgeekgab.com. Feedback at macgeekgab.com is what I think I heard you say, Dave. I said it. I said it, and I'm probably going to say it again at some point. That's feedback at MacKeyCub.com. Oh, there you just did? I did just say it, didn't I? <laughs> you want to take us to the next go. one? Yeah, it's it's kind of my own uh, quick tip. I like it's, those. Uh, yeah, because here's the cool thing. What's, every now and then I get to feel like the smart guy in the room. It happens occasionally for all of us, but not always. That's right. Yeah. 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 Well, it's particularly difficult to do when uh, Allison over at PodFeet.com is in the room. 
Agreed. You know. <laughs> I, I agreed. Yeah, I, I rarely feel like the smartest person in the room when she's so, there. Yeah, she is. Yeah, she but is th- very smart. Th- yeah. Exactly. This came as a result of your presentation at MacStock. Oh. And something came up, and I don't remember exactly what it was, but I said, well, all you got to do, you, you were talking about some application or some function within the Synology interface. Sure. I said, well, when you're in there, all you have to do is go to that little magnifying glass up in the upper right-hand corner and type the setting name or the application name that you're looking for. A voila, it's like its own little spotlight for Synology within the, it it takes you right to it. So, and she, I blew her mind. It was so much fun. Ah, that's great. (laughs) Yeah, it it, is. There is a search in the Synology DSM and SRM, which is the router manager. Oh, right. Right. Um, But it's easy to forget that it's there. Like you told me about this after I got off stage uh, and uh, I was like, I knew it was there, but, but like, I don't think to use it is the, right. the issue where the only place I use it is when searching for apps, but you can also do it in like the app view. You can sort of start typing in there. It, it presents it a little more. Right. Uh, and and when you. you know, it's when you know where the setting is yeah. or where the app is, and if, but every now and then there's a buried one. And I find that particularly useful. Yeah. And I just, I was playing with it a little bit last night and I was not able to find a file with it. I found, I still find that if I use find any file app. Yeah. That will search your Synology drive for a file, but there is also an advanced search. So if it doesn't find it, it'll say, hey, go up to the upper left corner and and use the advanced search. So you can start putting applying filters to your search within the Synology within interface. The, yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Allison, she has a tip that we've been sitting on for a little while, but I think we shall sit on it no longer. Right. She says, uh, like many in the community... I had my custom domain hosted with Google right up until they were going to charge me real money. And like many in the community, I also have iCloud Plus, for which you spend real money. So I moved my custom domain over to iCloud. That was months ago, and it recently occurred to me that I no longer have a distinct password for my custom domain email. I realize, and that means, that my rescue email for my Apple ID is also my custom domain email which means they are one in the same. And if I either one gets breached, well, it's just the one now. I have no rescue options. That's a really good point. Allison says, I found a dandy support article at Apple, which we will link to, where they show you how to change your iCloud rescue email address. And uh, you can change it. Uh, She said she changed it to a third address that she maintains that is not included in her custom domain that's part of iCloud+. Plus. And now she's back to being able to sleep at night. Yeah, I bet there's a lot of us that have uh, gotten ourselves into this scenario without even realizing it. Yes, go check now. Go check. Yeah, yeah. Pull over. <laughs> yeah, right. Pull yeah. over on the interstate. Check now. <laughs> or okay, make sure you sign up at MacGeekGab.com to our weekly email, which includes the show notes for the episode with all the links. And then you'll be reminded to at least the link that that we have about changing your rescue email address will also show you how to see what it is and you can just confirm that it's not one and the same i think this is an oversight on apple's part i i think if your rescue email address is part of a custom domain that you later add to icloud it should say hey are you sure you want to do this or at least (laughs) give you the option like because i it, it seems to be an oversight or if, if you have a custom 
email domain and you go to add an address from it to your, uh, you know, as your rescue address, it should pop up and say, Hey, um, FYI, just, it's just so you know, this might not be such a good idea. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, Adam has some quick tips for us for iPad users. Some of which might even be relevant. If you don't live in the United States, Adam says, I have an older iPad with fully updated iPad OS. I just discovered that I can screenshot simply by sliding my finger from the bottom left corner of the screen towards the middle of the screen. It's a little easier than pressing the home button and power button at the same time. I like this. Oh, yeah, that's cool. I don't think I've ever accidentally bumped across that one. Yeah, I've never. Yeah, I like that. So sliding from the bottom left towards the middle that gets you your screenshot. I like this, Adam. Yeah. And uh, he continues for your Canadian and perhaps other international listeners in Canada. YouTube does not permit picture in picture without a subscription. However, he says, I just discovered that by turning on my VPN on my iPad, he says, I use this, I use PIA, which you can sign up for at PIAVPN.com slash MGG uh, and setting it to the USA. Now picture in picture works with YouTube. So it's not doing it based on location services, which knows more than uh, what a VPN would, would tell it. It's, it's literally just looking at your IP address, or at least for now, hopefully uh, someone, if, if, if you are part of the YouTube compliance team and you're listening to this part of the episode, maybe uh, we'll just keep this between us so that we don't get caught. How's that sound? Right. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. All right, uh, we got a couple more quick tips here. I think Arthur. Yeah, yeah. Arthur. This one's a little nerdy, but it but it's a good one. Uh, I mean, it's not like I say that like it's bad to get nerdy. I'm nerdy all the time. Um, he reminds us that you can use the Finder on Mac OS to connect to FTP servers, and you do that by obviously going into the Finder. Starting with the finder, go to the go menu and click on connect to server. Or if you like your keyboard shortcuts, command K and then enter the full server address with the protocol, starting with FTP colon slash slash. And then either the server address or its IP address, like the server domain name or the IP address. And uh, you can log in as a guest or username and password, uh, whichever you like. And then it, the contents of that FTP server appear as a finder window for you. Uh, The one issue with this that I will point out is that Mac OS's finder only supports read only FTP sessions. It will not let you upload or write or change files on the FTP server for that. You would need an FTP client like uh, transmit is one that I use from panic software. I believe I believe Cyberduck is still Cyberduck still up and running. Still, I've used yeah. that a good bit, yeah. and uh, Forklift is my. That's the other one. I knew there was FTP one. client of choice. Yeah, yeah. It's, because it, it the beauty of Fork and Cyberduck, I think does too. But I think you have to click on it. Forklift. When I open it, I'm automatically linked to the FTP server for my show. It just in that. Way, oh yeah, it's it's like a file on my hard drive. I get that with it's, Transmit too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, I really like that. And I think you mentioned username and password. Once you hit that command K and put in the address of the FTP server you're going to, Finder will recognize it and query you for your username and password. That's correct. correct? Yep, that's right. It's And it's just like 
if you were connecting to, say, an SMB server, right, or if you still run it, AFP, like a, a regular sort of on-network file server, if you type SMB colon slash slash in the name of the machine, which, I, like, sometimes I'll say, I know I want to connect to the uh, the mini office, and so I'll say SMB colon slash slash mini office, and then it comes yeah. up, and if I don't have a username and password saved for it in my keychain, it'll ask me for one and then log me in. Um, so, not that, the, not that it means anything, but... I'm going to play stump the dummy. I, I know AFP is Apple file protocol. I could not remember. What does SMB stand for? Do you remember? This, I, I, it turns out that I do. I believe okay. it's server messaging block. Um, there you go. Okay. Yeah. I, I don't normally know these things off the top of my head, but everybody can now go on your way knowing that today. And <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure that's what it means. It started. Well, my, from my perspective, it, I was introduced to it when it was a Windows or a, a maybe even a DOS only uh, protocol. Okay. Like a, it right, was a, right. a PC, not Mac protocol, right? For right. file sharing. Then it got introduced to the Mac. You could use it on the Mac. And now it is the preferred protocol on the Mac over AFP. AFP is no yeah. longer the the one that Apple recommends. So if you are one, one piece of advice, like sort of a bonus tip here. If you are on, a, a, you know, if you use a Synology, and especially if you are backing up to your Synology with Time Machine, mm -hmm. SMB is going to be a whole lot more reliable for you than AFP. So you would want to go into, and I'm doing this off the top of my head, uh, go, you know, log into your Synology disk station, go into the control panel, file services, Turn off SMB. Uh, sorry, sorry, sorry. I'm saying this wrong because I'm thinking about trying to log yeah. in and show it if you're watching the video, uh, which you I You want me to put your screen up? Uh, give me a second a to log in. You get your, oh, come on. Let's get your password out yeah, to everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, you go into, uh, it would be control panel. Yep. File services. And then uh, enable the SMB service. Uh, go into advanced settings for SMB. There is a Mac OS window there where you want to turn on the enable the VFS module to convert special Mac characters uh, just so that you're fully supported there. And then go into the AFP uh, section of file services on your Synology and disable by unselecting like uncheck the enable AFP service box. You want to do that too. And then you want to go to the advanced tab of file services and enable Bonjour service discovery to locate Synology NAS. And within that, enable Bonjour time machine broadcast via SMB. Turn it off for AFP. Um, and, uh, and then you should be good to go. I know that's a lot. This will be up uh, on YouTube if you're just listening, which I know most of you are. So you can see my screen as we do this, and I'll ask Sadie to chop this out as a separate segment too, just so it's easy to find and all that good stuff. So yeah, yeah. I was going to say you should have memorized everything Dave just told you, or go to YouTube <laughs> or Facebook. Yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, and I was even smart enough to drop a timestamp at the beginning of that segment. It felt like we were going somewhere new, and so yeah. I, I and even, there we did, <laughs> and then and then we did. That's correct. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so thank you for that, Arthur. One thing I will add to Arthur's uh, tip is, is that something Porthos John shared in our Discord at MacGeekab.com slash Discord. 
says uh transmit is great for for connecting via ftp and being able to write right about the the, the read only uh nature of the finder when it comes to ftp but porthos john says if you can ask the admin of the server you're connecting to to enable web dev then you can make changes from the finder because the finder oh, supports yeah. read and write via web dev so thank you very much porthos john and he does confirm that smb is server messaging block so thank you for that i'm not sure where it came from but uh i'm glad it came from somewhere so you know i did it's been around for years and it's one of those things you know i don't think i ever knew what it stood for didn't yeah. care it just worked. right right you my guess is you still don't care so right i don't um, uh, yeah but, uh, despite asking the question and putting me on the spot that's uh <laughs> so who's your buddy dave yeah that's right uh <laughs> So look at all that you let us down there, Arthur. That's great. Yeah, it was, I love just this. A quick tip. Yeah, it was just a quick tip. Yeah, and yeah, yeah that's good. I mean, just a quick tip. I, I feel like right. listen, we put the quick tips usually put the quick tips at the front of the show because I think they're some of the best information that we share uh, on this show. I oh, learn quite a bit just look as i am like building the agenda and therefore learning all the quick tips you folks send in i this is one of the things that keeps me on my on my toes so uh porthos john does take us down a, a little bit more of that rabbit hole which is that smb is uh synonymous now synonymous yes yeah. uh with cifs which is the common internet file system so no synonymous means sounds the same doesn't it Nope, means the same. Means the same. What, Synonym what's, means the same. What's the that's one? An, that, uh, it's a. Is it a homonym? Okay, I'm or super an, confused. See, antonym is know. opposite. Homonym, I think, is. Uh, and then there's. Uh, see what I uh, see whatever. what I did with the rabbit hole here. That's yeah. my fault. That one's on me, folks. Sorry. Yeah. Yep. There you go. Normally, I like rabbit food, but you know. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, we didn't find any food in this rabbit hole. Um, Greg food for the brain, Dave food for the brain. (laughs) (laughs) Well, sure. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, uh, Greg brings us what I think is our final quick tip of the week with, uh, he says, um, we were talking about getting to the emergency services thing. And he says, if you mash the home side button on your iPhone, a number of times, it will automatically start a 10-second countdown for an emergency services call. This doubles as a great feature if your phone is about to be stolen, as it will lock your phone and render face unlock uh, useless unless you type in the passcode again. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, just make sure you stop that countdown, unless you want the countdown to continue. But I, I you, you pre-show, you said you you think it's, how many times I'm, is I'm it? I'm pretty sure it's five times. Okay. Five mashes on, on the quote-unquote power button, I guess, sure. it, as it were, will do that. Or if you press and hold it, I believe, after a certain number of seconds, it will also start into that that timer i think you're countdown right yeah. um I, and i'm not sure stolen's the right word and that, well if it's gonna if you're being forced to turn it over to somebody that you would not want to have access to your phone like they can't like make customs. you look at it correct yeah, customs so they can't make you thumbprint it or or face uh, id it that sort of thing and then one other thing i noticed in there when i was playing with that quick tip dave is that is 
where you can then select your emergency contacts, which is what an EMT would do should they find your unconscious body on the on the street corner. Right. <laughs> you know, because it's a happy day. Yeah. Well, and uh, that's <laughs> they how you can verify. make it happier, perhaps. Yes. that's right. Yeah, that's right. And and from there, uh, you can verify whom you have in your contacts listed as emergency contacts. All right. Hey, while we're here today, I've got something for all of us, Apple enthusiasts and lifelong learners out there. So we share tips all the time on the show here, but, you know, we can we can only share so much. Right. Ever have that nagging feeling that there's even more you could do with your iPhone? Well, iPhone Life's free tip of the day newsletter serves up a tip every morning that helps you discover all those features you've been missing that Apple doesn't tell us about. Here's how it works. You go sign up for free at iPhoneLife.com slash daily tips. And then iPhone Life sends you a one minute tip with clear steps and screenshots on topics ranging from typing tricks to emojis to password management, free, practical, easy to follow information from a team of tech experts dedicated to helping you learn. You can't beat that. So join 500,000 happy subscribers to the only free daily newsletter that reveals new things you can do with your iPhone in just one minute a day. So go to iPhoneLife.com slash daily tips to sign up for free. And our thanks to the team over there for doing this swap with us. Okay, that's awesome. Uh, Van wrote in to us with a, with a question, Dave, and he said, uh, I'm looking for your recommendations for a good time machine backup external SSD hard drive for my Mac. My current iMac has a three terabyte hard drive. I currently have been using a Western Digital five terabyte elements portable hard drive, external hard drive, USB three for PC and Mac plug and play ready. It crashed after less than a year, and I'm not real happy with Western Digital hair drives after this was the second one that failed in the last three years. Yikes. Being that I'm not technically knowledgeable to install and manage a Synology NAS. Oh, yes, you are. Uh, is there much of a learning curve for me to set it up and manage it, or should I just go with a direct attached drive? And before you answer, I want to say, yeah, and I think you answer. Yeah, there's a little bit of a learning curve, but... Oh man, there's so many cool things you can do with it with a NAS drive. I I agree. I, if your only reason for getting one is to have a backup destination and you then have no interest in going farther, that's not like having it as a backup destination is a great first reason to get one. But right. if if nothing else that a NAS does is of interest to you or you feel like you need your backups to be on something that you understand already inherently, like that, you know how to get stuff off of, then I would, I would, I would say you're right with the external SSD, even for me. Uh, and I've been through a couple of restores recently. I do back up everything to the, the NAS because why not? It's, I've got plenty of storage there, but I also back up, to a like a time machine to the NAS, I clone to an SSD connected or a hard drive, depending, uh, connected to the Mac. And when I have had to do like full system restores lately, I have gone to that direct attached hard drive first. I certainly can do it from the NAS when I'm doing migration assistant. The NAS actually shows up first in migration assistance list before it, it looks to see if there's something direct attached, like it's right there, but mm -hmm. I don't know. I like, 
I know it's I feel like I could be very wrong about this. I feel like it's going to be faster and more reliable to back to restore from uh, a a direct attached drive than it is, you know, relying oh, on the yeah. network. So I could be wrong, though. But but just like I, I, if you're going to do one backup and I really recommend you do at least two. But if you're going to do one, I would say uh, a hard drive is is the way to go. But I, I do agree with you, Pete. Like if you're listening to this show, we've got you you're going to you're going to be able to make a nas work and you're probably going to have a lot of fun with it that oh, there's tips out there on youtube oh, yeah. and everywhere else on how to how to set these things up you can set your own vpn up you can run your media server off it you can That's share right. my daughter puts her homework on it instead of on google drive so i like that that's great that that yeah. i love it when my kids like are like oh yeah well i was just using the synology for that and it's like oh yeah okay yeah 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 that's a warms my heart as far as normal SSDs go to connect to your computer to do your backups, either a carbon copy cloner or, a, you know, a, a time machine backup. Mm-hmm. Um, there are lots of them. I've used lots of them. I, I, I use lots of different brands. The one that comes to mind first, of course, is OWC. Um, they have a ton of external SSDs there. Really what you need to do is – you said you had a three terabyte drive in your iMac van. Uh, take a look at how much data you would actually be backing up because a three terabyte SSD, if you can do it on a two terabyte or less SSD, you're going to save a ton of money getting up into, you know, four terabyte SSDs or eight terabyte SSDs. It's not cheap. Right. And, and your, and your options start to become more limited you can go with a you know a USB C SSD uh, up to two terabytes. Thunderbolt tends to be required for the larger ones. I'm not sure why, but it just seems to be more common that way. And then you're paying what we call the Thunderbolt tax. Uh, in order to use Thunderbolt, you got to license it from from the Thunderbolt Consortium, which includes Apple and other companies. So uh, if you can do two terabytes, that's going to open the door quite. Uh, quite wide for you but owc is is where i would start something like the uh envoy pro electron uh depending on your space but you know if you need more the express or pro fx range is is where you're going to wind yourself up uh, other uh, but there are other brands i'm i'm a, a fan of the glyph drives the glyph atom ev is a portable nvme ssd uh, the two terabyte version is two twenty nine. The eight terabyte version is ten ninety nine. You see where I'm going with this? <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. So you know what's amazing about that though is it, uh, t- the the cost of technology coming down. Oh, is for sure. So amazing. Oh yeah. I remember when a five hundred gig SSD was probably eight hundred nine hundred dollars. Oh, or more. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, In the early days. Yeah. The Samsung T seven is really worth looking at. Um, that max is out at two terabytes, but a two terabyte T seven, I think is, uh, 120 bucks. Right. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's a good price, uh, and, and works well. I'm also a fan of the CalDigit stuff, the tough nano, great, tiny little drive and, uh, and runs really well. I've, I've, use the tough nanos uh, for you know travel as kind of like little travel drives and they're you know they're great they're great i it it's also worth looking at um 
rotational drives, if you do need that four terabyte or eight terabyte, take a look at a rotational drive. You know, you're, you're backing up to this. You're not relying on it for fast data transfer, you know, in a, oh, yeah, a yeah. real world scenario. So like, like Lisa's machine, when, when her Mac mini died, you know, whatever it was 10 days ago, I talked about it in the last show. I realized, oh, she's still backing up to a rotational drive. That's a four terabyte rotational drive. It's like, okay, like that's fine. Like, you know, first I was like, oh, should I change this? I'm like, well, maybe because I have a stack of SSDs that are unused. So probably, but in terms of spending real money, I, you know, it's nothing wrong. I, I was able to restore, like she's up and running because of that rotational drive. So yeah, it's all good. Um, I was going to mention SanDisk. Uh, but there's uh, some reports that their SanDisk extremes are losing data for people and they're not saying anything about it. So maybe just wait on the SanDisks for right now. I've had good luck with them. I, I, I don't want to, I, I don't want to disparage them. My, my experience with the SanDisk extremes over the years has been great. It was, it was literally on the, on the list and uh, in the pre-show someone pointed out, Hey, um, Maybe not that they're not as, now. yeah, they're not yeah. being as forthcoming at the moment at the moment. Until they feel, right. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, so, and then sometime back also, I had, we had a, and again, this is my portable one. Yep. I know I put it on a cool stuff found and I don't even remember the brand cause it's downstairs, but there's a thumb drive that's two terabytes. That's not, oh, yeah. not much larger than my thumbnail. So. Yeah, I think that is a sand. I have one of those that is a sand disc. I mean, there's okay. probably from multiple brands. Yeah. I, it's just not the fastest thing. If you're, I mean, if you're going to no, bother paying for an SSD, pay for the speed, not the the tiny size, unless it needs to be in your portable rig, at which point, right. like, great. But yeah, Kingston makes a pretty small one. SanDisk makes a pretty small one. Uh, yeah. And I do keep one of those in my travel bag. I forget about it because it's like you said, it's like... Thumb drive is, is, is the right term for this. It, well, yeah, my, it's way smaller than my thumb. But, yeah. And then the other thing that was cool about it, as I recall, is it has both a USB-C and a USB-A. So you just flop. Yes, swap in, so that's right. the SanDisk so, one. I, yeah, yeah, I can't remember the name of it. far more universal. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yes, yes. So thank you to Brian Monroe for, for alerting us to the SanDisk issues. I appreciate it, man. Uh, Brian is, is a great... Uh, participant as as uh, among many in our discord community and if you haven't yet joined our discord community i highly recommend it it is uh it's such a like we have such a great family there and i think there's what, 1200 of us now but um the conversations always like i, I was going to say they stay on point that's not really True. We get into tangents just like we do here on the show, but they are always about tech and everybody just loves to help everybody else. That's the part I love about it. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. Before you get to the next question, I, uh, we may be, this will probably be answered in a future show, but Arish Khan on YouTube asks, what's the best way to go about creating a bootable USB for Mac OS. So I think that's probably a future show one. He goes, oh, we can answer well, that question. Okay. Well, then he goes on here's where he throws the curveball. It, it looked like a nice straight fastball. It, it could have been. Ball. You didn't have to share the whole thing, but you're about to. So go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> okay. He says, I don't have access to a Mac. It would have to be through Windows or Linux. Okay. So I don't like off the top of my head, I would need to think about the curveball. But in terms yeah. of creating a boot drive, even with a Mac, it's not. It's not like it used to be where you could just plug in, you know, a, an external drive into your Mac, use carbon copy cloner, right? Because that's what it was or super duper right. and just clone to this external drive. 
it doesn't work like that anymore because Apple has made it very, very difficult to do that. It's still sort of possible, but the best way to do it is, well, if you just want to make a boot drive that does not have any of your data on it, so not cloning to it, but literally just creating a boot drive, that's pretty straightforward. And that is the first step in creating a bootable clone is you boot to uh, you boot to your normal internal drive, run the installer for whatever OS you want to have on this external drive. And when the installer asks you what disk it, you, to put it on, choose the external. And then you go through the whole installation process. It builds the system. It splits the drive in the magic way that it does and does all its stuff. And then you wind up with a drive that has a system partition uh, or system volume with that operating system on it. And a data volume with essentially nothing. At that point, you can use your clone and and clone over to it, or you can use Migration Assistant to pull your data over. And and at that point, it becomes an a you know a snapshot in time clone of you. But but yeah, you have to use the Mac OS installer to do it. And I don't. It used to be possible from a Windows machine or a Linux machine to just say, you know, here's two drives. Uh, go ahead and, and read, you know, clone one to the other, and it would have created your, your bootable clone. That's not how it works anymore. I think you need a Mac to do that. Yeah, I would think so too. But that, that was a super timely question though, because the the very next one was innocuoso who goes, I got my boot drive. Now it's filled up. What do I do now? (laughs) It's true. Yeah. On discord, innocuoso asks, I have a 2018 i5 Intel Mac mini, uh, running Ventura whose 250 gig internal drive is approaching full. It's about 215 full now. He says, but the finder window, uh, when I look at, you know, everything on the drive, it adds up to roughly 100 gigs. So, and that includes hidden files. So where are the extra 115 gigs being consumed? The free version of Clean My Mac X identifies only three gigabytes as system junk, my iCloud drive is 12 gigs in case that matters. Any ideas about the 100 gig discrepancy? And um, Richard A. in our Discord got to this one first and asked, do you have multiple users on this Mac Mini? If so, I don't think that you logged in as your user gets to see the size of other users' home folders from within the Macintosh HD Finder view. If you uh-huh. unfold the users folder... The sizes of those folders will be reported as tiny because it's based on the files you are allowed to see, not the files you are not allowed to see. And indeed, that's what it was for Innocuoso. You are right to run things like Space Lens uh, inside Clean My Mac X or, or other utilities that will sort of give you a peek at not just how full your drive is, but where it's full. But yeah, uh, other other user folders are tough to see. It is doable. You can run the finder in. Um, so you can actually go to the terminal and using the sudo command, which is the command that you would run it, like choose to run something as super user. You can actually go and run a copy of the finder as super user. And that might let you see what other users folders have. Uh, it might not, though. Things get a little wonky. When you do that, but yeah, lo- logging into those other users would be the way to, to sort of the, the prescribed way of, of getting in there. So, right. Or, uh, 
Yeah. I was, I was going to say, if, if, if you were the admin on that machine, though, you should be able to see it from your. Uh, no, no, that's what I'm saying. If you're an admin, you can, you can go to the terminal and run sudo and, and then you can run an app as root, but as admin, you don't get to see extra things. You just have the ability to turn on the ability to see extra things. So yeah, log in, uh, in the finder, you won't get to see it, but you could, you could do it from the terminal. Um, there is a terminal command that I'll use, uh, I will, you know, sudo up as as root on the terminal so that I have full access to the drive. And then um, I use the du command. I think it's du. Okay. Gosh, I need my fingers. Remember this? All right. D-U-D-S- well, you're working on that. Sudo means super user do. And 99% of the time, it's going to ask you for a password, right? Or 100%. Um, Probably 100%. Well, if you it, do a sudo command. It depends on uh, w- w- how recently you've done it, right? But but yes, gotcha. it, it, yeah. Okay. It, there's a little timer, so if you sudo and then come out and come back in, it'll it'll let you do it again. But otherwise, yeah, yeah. But um, du dash sh uh, and then star or sudo space du dash sh and then star, and I'll put this in the um, the 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 show notes at uh, will show you the sizes of all the folders in like all the subfolders in your, in your current folder. So if you wanted to see the whole drive, you could, you know, go to the root level and, and do that. But that, that is a way. And, and the, um, the H in the D U dash S H command. No, it means human. Because it shows you the sizes in human readable form. So it'll say like 16K or four gigs instead of, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Instead, so, of, instead of 400 instead of, million bytes. Here's, here's how many <laughs> bytes they are. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I forget okay. what the S means. Um, oh, the S means show me an entry for each specified file. So uh, that's okay. how you get the listing as opposed to just a summary. So dash S means not a summary. It's and here's a swag. File. Yeah. Uh, du means disk usage. That's correct. Yes. Sorry, I should have. Yeah. I should have no, no started worries. with that. Yeah. Right. It is display disk usage statistics. You can also yeah. use um df dash sh. That shows you. I think of df as disk full. Uh, or sorry, df dash h. I'm getting my commands confused. That will show you the uh usage by volume if you do df dash h. Um, so. Gets confusing. All I can say is anybody driving, don't try to remember all this. No, you don't have to. <laughs> I've typed this into the show notes. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, uh, and those are, I'm, I'm assuming DF is also a sudo require. Um, no, I don't think no? so. No, okay. because it's just showing you how much is used in general, which is not a, uh, it's not showing you by folder. It's just showing you by volume. And so I've never needed to use sudo for, for DF. DF is display free disk space. So uh-huh. yeah. Yeah. So okay. it's just showing you how much is free. That's it. Yeah. Not how much is used, which is different. Yes. Gotcha. I mean, okay. one is part and part, but not where it is used. I guess that's the, that's the differentiator there. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. How about I take us to Ben? They, please do. So Ben writes, hi, guys. Uh, my daughter is starting college this fall as a biology slash genetics major. Oh, man, 
You've got one that's going to support you, Ben. (laughs) (laughs) Just saying. Uh, Her her college requires a laptop, so we bought her a 13-inch M2 MacBook Air for use in college. One, is it wise to enable Mac's built-in firewall since she will be on the school's Wi-Fi and wired network while at school? And two, are there any software or tips that you would recommend to keep her MacBook safe while at school? I'm not sure, but I think there might be misbehaving comp sci majors trying to have fun hacking the non-tech majors. I'd love to hear from you and listeners on this topic. Uh, she's only used iPads throughout her schooling, so she is getting used to the MacBook. Um, yeah, she's going to love that machine. Yeah. So I wrote back. I said, first of all, Ben, my sympathies to your wallet. Uh, I have a, one in college and one that's a senior starting next fall. So uh, I, I fully feel your pain. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, said I first of all I'd absolutely run the firewall uh, and additionally I'd run file vault uh, so that the hard drive is encrypted and should the laptop fall into the wrong hands then any sensitive data will not be uh, accessible without the password um, get her set up I, it's this is what I'm still pulling my hair out on I cannot get my daughter to remember her social security number or any of that stuff even though I've put it in one password on her machine it's like I you know here. Here's a way to keep your data secure and get to it. Oh, no, I can't do that, Deb. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. That, that's one of those lessons that, you know, there's a lot of lessons that kids, we, we, not just kids, that each of us as humans needs to learn for ourselves. Right. You Having can't learn your it for your kids. Data stolen from you is a lesson I would not want someone to have oh. to learn for themselves. Yeah. That's, that's a painful one. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then, and, and then speaking of passwords, I, I showed him how I do my passwords, which is I will, I will pad mine with either symbols or numbers or letters, that sort of thing. They, some places won't let you use repeating series of a single letter. So if, if that's the case, then I might go dollar sign, pound sign, dollar sign, pound sign to, to mix it up. But you can make your password very long yet memorable by by padding it. And I think over at um, uh, Steve Gibson's website. GRC. GRC. Thank you. I couldn't think of the C. Uh, GRC.com. And I think it's Haystack slash Haystack. He talks about padding passwords and how you can make your passwords extremely hard to remember by by padding them. Mm. Um, so, and then I use symbols in there, you know, often, uh, I'll use a three for an E or an A for an at ampersand for an A, that sort of thing. So, but uppercase, lowercase numbers, symbols, all the various letters, and then pad it is, is the point of my sure <laughs> diatribe here. <laughs> and then I said, finally, and this is not solicited, but, uh, they have, have been recently a sponsor on the show is PIA private internet access. Uh, it's very inexpensive VPN service and very versatile. And once you have an account, you can use it on your phone, your iPad, your laptop. And so this should always be on when you're on any publicly accessible Wi-Fi. Um, remember, however, every now and then, and I don't know why, for no apparent reason, my mail does not work properly when I'm using the PIA VPN. It might be because you are also using Apple's protect mail protection we, oh, we've yeah, had okay. some reports that the two of them together uh, do not play nicely together. Apple's mail privacy. I forget what it. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. makes sense then. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, but the, the, 
and the point of these things is, you know, nothing's a hundred percent safe, but, but if she does these two or three things, she's going to make herself a harder target. And the, the, the geeks will go on to harass somebody. It's a, it's a simpler pastures. That's really what you're looking for. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, exactly. Just don't leave any, any holes open. Um, I, I very much try not to create my own passwords um, because I know that I will fall into uh, patterns and habits that people could or computers could, you know, begin to figure if you get four, if, if I were to create passwords based on a pattern or a set of patterns and you got five of them, well, is that enough to start to make more, far more educated guesses about what a different password of mine might be? Possibly, right? So I am a big fan of letting, for logins, I let one password just create my passwords or iCloud Keychain okay. can create a password. But for those moments where you need to create a password, but you don't, like one password is very particular. If I ask one password to create a password, it's going to store it. And it's going to decide how to assign it and like where to put it. And it's going to like, sometimes I know it's going to put it in the wrong place. Like if I'm on yeah. one site, it's going to be like, oh yeah, should I replace? No, no. I just want a password, especially if I'm creating passwords for other people, right? Like, you know, if I'm creating a login for somebody at work or something and I need to, to give them a password, I don't want to come up with it off the top of my head, but I want it to be secure. And so uh, and one password's going to try and store it for me. It's like, nope, I don't want that password. I just want to create it on the fly and make it go away. Um, I like there. There are websites. There's um, eh, what's the XK password? Right is is one of them. Okay, I think is a good uh, SK PASSWD. I believe it's SK XK PASSWD dot net. It's th that will allow you to make memorable passwords if you want because it will use words. Uh, interspersed by different, you know, interrupting characters. I like an app called PSWD that I downloaded from the Mac app store. It mm -hmm. sits in my menu bar when I want it and it will just create passwords and copy them to the clipboard for me. So I can just paste them where I need. And then I forget about them, which is great. So oh, that's nice. Yeah. And, and you know, it's funny because you bring up a good point. You're talking about, you don't like to make your own because then it becomes guessable, right? I mean, the human yes. brain is predictable yes. to machines. Uh, but I've always resisted that. But you bring up a very good point in that um, I, I'm not going to, while I can remember it when I see it, or if I have to, it makes it easier for me to type in, I guess. Right. Is what right. It, the only thing that that does for me, because otherwise I'm using the one password all the time. Right. And I should just let that copy it over rather than let it, be that way. Although yes. I, I don't know what I have that anybody wants beyond my, my social yeah. security numbers locked down. I could, right. I could broadcast it here. Yeah. All fair. My, all my credits locked, but fair. Uh, yep. 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 All right. Well, fun, fun stuff. Of it. I like it. It's yes. the principle of it. it. Well, and it's, <laughs> you know, here's the thing is people say, well, well, you know, when it comes to, to like privacy, I have nothing to hide or security. I yeah. have nothing anybody would want. That's what you think. Right. But you don't yeah. know what someone else wants from you. Right? right. And so there might be something very specific that you don't think about 
it's somebody else is like, oh, if only I could get that from Pete or that from Dave or whatever. That then, piece of data will allow me to, yeah. Yeah, will yeah. allow me to do a thing. And, and you're like, oh, well, that seems so useless. It's like, well, to you maybe, but yeah. yeah. So so I, I like those tools, XK Password and the PSWD app, either either one. Um, I, I'm you know, try make, make my life a little bit easier. Yep. To, to do it, what it is I want to do. And what I wanted to do recently, Pete, was understand the difference between a USB 4 cable and a Thunderbolt 3 or 4 cable. So okay. we're talking about cables with USB-C ports, right? Not the lightning ports that our phones currently use, right? So cables with USB-C ports mean USB cables or Thunderbolt cables. And this started when I was furiously like I was about to leave for a trip and I needed a cable for my extra screen. And I realized that most of the cables with USB-C ports that I had would not pass video. And it was like, okay, so these are just charging cables. I need cables to rule them all. I need cables that will certainly charge uh, and pass power delivery, but I also need them to pass data as fast as I want for anything. And I need them to support USB and Thunderbolt and all of that stuff. And I see USB 4 and Thunderbolt 4 used not interchangeably, but like at the same place a lot of times. Like, oh, well, this device is USB 4 or Thunderbolt 4. Like almost like whoever is saying it is treating the distinction as a toss away item. Right. Yeah. And so I was like, all right, I'm doing it. I'm going down the path here. So my real question is. Like I said, what's the difference between USB 4 and Thunderbolt cables, not USB 4 and Thunderbolt devices and drives and all of that cables? Uh, so the, I, I bought a bunch of cables because I wanted to know. And I also wanted to know, can I get two meter cables? Because those little tiny ones, the 0.75 meter ones are great for connecting a little drive. But like if I want to connect to uh, an external screen i need more room to like get wrap the cable around i have to assume that i want my screen on the side opposite from where the ports are on my device you know of course right of yeah. course right so two meter cables things that i can just throw in my travel bag and know that they are going to work with whatever devices i want to plug in this is the path i headed down here okay let me ask real quickly then and, and you used uh what your laptop i mean you're using a device that can obviously Max, it won't max out. In other words, the cable isn't more capable than Correct. your device. I, I okay. yes, I used both. Uh, well, I used the iMac in the studio and the um, my my new M2 Air. So okay, y yes, yes, and I it, and part of the reason I use the iMac in the studio is because in addition to having both Thunderbolt and USB C like devices and hubs, I uh, or docks using those right. definitions yeah. i also have a thunderbolt 4 hub here in in the studio which is a, it's owc's device and that is very much a thunderbolt only device right it takes your thunderbolt ports and takes one thunderbolt port and makes it into you know three or four of them or whatever and so i knew that that required thunderbolt capabilities so i i did all these tests uh over the last week here I started with a Cable Matters USB 4 cable, but, but I made a mistake when I bought it. I, it said that it was a 20 gig cable. Actually, I didn't make a mistake. I knew what I was doing. I wanted to see if they meant what they said and that it was going to limit itself to 20 gigs per second, whereas 
it could go, you know, with Thunderbolt, it can go up to 40 gigs a second or whatever. So, um, so, so I started, well, really what I started with was, uh, you know, an OWC Thunderbolt three cable because I had one. Right. Um, and this is a, you know, one meter or 0.75 meter cable. It connects to everything. It connects to USB four devices, connects to USB three devices. It connects to anything I can plug a USB C cable into and it has full capabilities, right? So in the, uh, you know, in system profile or whatever we call it on the Mac, it, it shows the devices show up as Thunderbolt three, but it, but it works, right? Like that's just what these cables do. That's normal, regardless of whether it's a Thunderbolt three or Thunderbolt four cable, the Mac says Thunderbolt three, because, because really the distinction between three and four for Macs is a marketing term. Um, and we can talk about that another time, but doing full 2,400, you know, megabyte per second reads from a Thunderbolt drive. So all of those things like, yep. Okay. So I know my devices are capable of this. And when there is a cable that is Thunderbolt certified, it does all these things. Great. So put that cable aside. Then I tried this cable matters USB four cable. That's listed as 20 gigs. It did limit its speeds to 20 gigs. It did not matter though, that the cable says that it's USB four. It connected as Thunderbolt to Thunderbolt devices. It connected to my Thunderbolt hub and did all the things that my hub needed it to do. It was limited to 20 gigs because that's what the cable said. But other than that, no difference that I could tell because just because it didn't say Thunderbolt on it. That was okay. also true with a, and that was a, a two meter cable. Um, I did find Thunderbolt, uh, the specs say that in order to go 40 gigs, you can't do that over two meters with Thunderbolt. You have to do it with USB. But I have found two meter cables that will do either. Um, in fact, uh, all of okay. the cables that I found will do do both. So um, I found, you know, I used OWC's Thunderbolt 4 cable, which is exactly the same in terms of how my Mac and devices see it as the Thunderbolt three cable, uh, 2,400 megabit per second reads 40 gigs, uh, you know, on the connection. And I can get that two meters, $57 for a two meter OWC Thunderbolt four cable. Same with a cable matters Thunderbolt four cable. I think that was $60 for a 6.6 foot one. And then I found this Lurie, L-E-U-R-U-I. I wanted to get something that did not have a brand name I knew. So I bought this two-meter cable for $28. It is a branded as a USB 4 cable. It has, of course, USB-C ports on either end. It is branded as a 40 gigabit per second cable. And I plugged it in. And Pete, it worked just like a Thunderbolt 4 cable would work. I, everything said Thunderbolt four. Yeah. Yep. And uh, today on Amazon, it's actually I bought it for twenty eight dollars. Uh, it is down to twenty five. Down to twenty five. And there's a ten percent promo code coupon today on Amazon, so you could save. Uh, maybe that is the the thing. I don't know it, but uh, still twenty five bucks. You know. Yeah, that's what it is. It says yeah, twenty seven ninety nine. Two meters. It takes to twenty five. Yeah. Yep. Two meters. No, I think you get another ten percent off with the, oh, the Amazon coupon okay. today. Yep, right. and uh, and I've I've used it. I I I'm going to bring it with me when I go to Podcast Movement this week. 
um, I'm also going to bring a Thunderbolt cable just in case I actually have proven myself wrong here. But um, that's just because Murphy, uh, I keep on my favorites list on my phone. So, and Murphy's law always applies. But basically what I found during my experiments is that other than the price and the branding on the cable uh, and presumably the certification process that it goes through, Uh, there is no functional difference to me for uh, between a USB four cable at 40 gigabits per second and a Thunderbolt four cable or a Thunderbolt three cable for that matter. They are all functionally the same for me. So I know that Thunderbolt cables go through a certification process. I know that there are, you know, electronic tolerances that they are uh, required to have that USB four cables are not. Some of the USB four cables that I bought, the cable matters ones were um, said that they were USB IF certified Intel certified or whatever. Oh no, that's a Thunderbolt one. Sorry that I'm looking at here. Um, but I, I'm pretty sure they said that they were USB certified. Um, yeah. USB IF certified. And that's why cable matters. Cables can't go faster than 20 gigabits at, at two meters because the, they say that they won't be certified for that. But my guess is a lot of these are literally the same cables. They are just either certified for USB or not certified for USB and therefore less mm-hmm. expensive and or certified for Thunderbolt and way more expensive. So, yeah. I, 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 and again, we're yeah. talking about the cables here. I'm not talking about the devices like your device that you buy, like your hard drive that you buy. That's a USB device is not going to magically support Thunderbolt capabilities. Right. Um, right. It, it's right. going to it's going to be USB. That's different. What I'm talking about here is cables and connecting two Thunderbolt devices works with any of the cables that I tried out. I'll put links to all of them in the show notes for you. So uh, I've got actually another cable question then. Yeah, man. Just because I can. Yeah. So I'm sitting here with a ViewSonic monitor to the side. Okay. And that has a, what appears to be a normal USB-C cable connection on both ends. But as you and I both know, it's not, but it's carrying HDMI. Well, one of these Thunderbolt 4 cables work on that. Great question. I tested that too, because that was the thing that sort of brought me down this path to begin with. Okay. I plugged them all from my laptop into my portable USB connector on the monitors that I have Mm -hmm. that, you know, I travel with and it worked. Every single cable worked for that. Uh Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. So, yes. But so, but a charging only USB cable will not work never, in past never, data, yeah. uh, past video. Yeah. But yeah, every one of these past video too. So yeah, interesting. Okay, yeah. So I I don't know. I like all I can tell you is what I and I've done. I tried to do some research on this to see what like other people were saying or willing to say publicly, and I might be the only one willing to say any of this publicly. But. uh Like people are like, well, you know, there's the tolerances and they're certified. I'm like, you know, I I understand that. And listen, for my mission critical stuff, if I have like my Thunderbolt hub here, did I test it with a USB cable? Of course. Will I use it full time with a cable that's not Thunderbolt certified? No. Why would I? It came with a cable that was Thunderbolt certified. Of course, I'm going to use that cable. Right. You you know, so but it worked fine uh, without it. So. I, I, um, 
I mentioned the iMac here in the studio, Pete, during that story. Right, right, yeah, right. I have yeah. another story to tell you. Uh-oh. It's very similar to the story that I told last week, Pete. I came up here after a weekend of being in and out of the studio, testing all these cables. I came up here on Sunday night to do some prep for a thing I needed to do Monday. And I have three monitors in the studio. One is built into the iMac. Uh, and then I have a ViewSonic monitor that sits to my right, a 27-inch 4K. So it's the 5K 27-inch monitor in the iMac. ViewSonic 27-inch 4K monitor, gorgeous display. It's got uh, you know the color matching and all that great stuff. Um, I think it's the 2768 4K. Um, I'll put a link in the show notes once I once I remember. Uh, yeah. uh, 2768 4K. Then behind me, I have a Monoprice 27 inch 4K screen that I mostly just use to put like little images up uh, during, while we record the show. It's for people watching on video. So I came up here and I woke up the iMac as I had done earlier that day and the day before and the day before that. And uh, the two... External screens woke up and the iMac screen was black. So I'm like, oh, so I hit the brightness button on the keyboard to no avail. Okay. I move my mouse around. I can see the mouse is moving fine when I move it to the right to the other screens. Like, okay. And I, uh, you know, um, uh, uh, VNC'd in from my phone. I used the the app screens on my phone, uh, which lets me do that. Um, And I was able to see all three screens, right? So, and I was able to manipulate things on the screen from my phone and presumably from another Mac, if I had one here, you know, convenient. And uh, it's like, okay, so I shut it down. I unplugged everything from the iMac, plugged it back in and, or, you know, powered it back up. And the iMac screen, it made the noise. It remained black. I could VNC in again and do all of my things. So I, Turned on the flashlight on my phone. I got it real close to the screen and looked hard. And I could see all the icons on the desktop and the windows and the menus. Uh, the backlight on that iMac ceased to function. Shut. Shut. What's weird about this? I started researching it. On that m- machine, there are two backlights. There's one on the left um, and one on the right. Yeah, one. They shouldn't die together. They, In theory, if the backlights are going to die, it's one at a time. There is so also two engines on airplanes. That's yeah, one. T- one gets you to the site of the crash. Yeah. The second's what the second one's for. <laughs> yeah. So this one didn't even get me to the site of the crash, Pete. Um, I, uh, I, I, I have come to understand that there is also a backlight controller built into the motherboard. It didn't used to be. It used to be a separate part, which would yeah, be okay. great for my life because I could have spent like 120 bucks on a part and then be done. But instead, I have to replace either the motherboard to the tune of like 800 bucks or the screen to the tune of about 900 bucks, Um, which is fairly inexpensive for a 5K screen, 5K retina screen, right? Like the 27 inch screen. You you can't buy one of those for 900 bucks all that easily. But again, I was sitting here thinking, okay, well, that's like having to buy the same monitor twice. That's a little frustrating. And also it's tied to that one computer. I don't get to use it if I replace that iMac ever, right? It is built into that iMac and that is a 2019 fine iMac. It's an eight core Intel i9, like super hoopty, but it is Intel. And so I was like, you sounds like you've got an expensive paperweight over there, Dave. Yeah. 
And that paperweight is far away from me now. It's on the other side of the room because what I'm sitting here recording this show on today is an M1 Max, Max, uh, yeah, M1 Max uh, based Mac Studio. I started looking at, okay, well. You bought a studio? Should, yep, I did. Oh, should I man. should I get a Mac Mini? Like, should I look at the M2 Mini? And I did. And the price wise, was like, okay, so I'm going to be at like eighteen hundred bucks. Okay, fine. You know, I can have it by Wednesday. Fine. And then I kind of started looking, and I'm like, well, what about the Mac Studios? And the M2 flavors of the Mac Studios are pricey, but the M1s are available on refurb. And the base model M1, which comes with 32 gigs of RAM. And a 512 gig uh, SSD, or a 512, yeah, gig SSD, um, was, uh, you know, 1529 on refurb. And I was like, wow. okay. And so I looked at the speed differences between the two. The M2s aren't that much faster slash better than the M1s. And certainly I was fine with an i9, uh, you know, Intel chip. So like sure. clearly don't need the speed. And, uh, so I was like, all right, I'm going to do this. And my local Mac shop actually had a brand new one there. Same base model. Uh, and, and sold it to me. You know, they were selling it for the same price as a refurb. So on Monday afternoon, I drove down there and I bought myself yet another computer, Pete. Well, I can't, you needed one. You I know. can't do this every week. Um, <laughs> you know, on the way home, I stopped at the blood bank and the plasma bank and the sperm bank and, you know, <laughs> bought my family a bunch of ramen to eat. Like, this there is getting go. ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so I, I, so I am running on that. Uh, it's obviously doing fine. The nice part is because it's the M1 Max and older model. It also runs Monterey, so I was not forced to upgrade to Venturi. That was my question. Yeah, yes, uh, we're going to run on the, uh, the yes, core audio issues. Yes, uh, okay. so I'm going to have to upgrade at some point. I know, but for 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 Monday and for today, I did not have to. So I have this new machine here. It's cranking. It's got four Thunderbolt ports on it, and a, and a couple of USB ports, and a couple, you know, actually more than a couple of USB ports. Like it's it's awesome. I did slow down the fan. It does have a fan in it, which I'm not entirely thrilled about. No one seems to know why it has a fan. It People don't ever see it go faster than it's 1300 RPM, but it is much quieter at 1100 RPM, which is where I have right. it now so that y'all don't hear it. But uh, the temperature stays the same uh, at 1100 or 1300. So I just slowed it down to, to 11. And I am able to run, speaking of core audio, I normally run Logic, which is kind of my mixer. I normally run that at 256. Oh gosh, what do we even call it? I should never be looking at this while we're recording. The IO buffer size is set normally to 256 samples. That's where I get it reliable on, on the Intel Mac. I am today running this at 64 samples and it's been reliable so far, but I've recorded yeah. like a bunch of shows on this. Like, I think it's going to be fine. Um, which means I hear my voice a lot closer to when I say things, um, which is right. you know, better for my brain. So, um, yeah, so I have Mac Studio up here. But it did mean that I had to promote the ViewSonic screen to prime position and the Monoprice screen to, uh, you know, the second slot. Right. And that means that I went and found this f square 14 inch. Um, that's why it looks different off brand uh, screen okay. that sits behind me. And that's why it looks different because it is different. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. And it has a DVI connector on it, but I had a DVI oh. to HDMI cable for it. 
And then I had a really long HDMI cable that came around from the computer. So I bought for $4, I bought a, um, an HDMI uh, coupler. And that, that seems to be working fine. So nice. Because okay. it just needs a long cable to get around the back. But Yeah. Yipper. So I, I'm actually surprised that the studio came with Monterey on it, though, instead of Ventura. Well, it, it, I, yeah, it did come, it, it was, it did have Monterey, but it, it supports Monterey because it came out, you know, a year and a half right. ago or whatever. That's what it came out with. Right? Yeah. So it will take it, which I, it was the important part. Yeah. 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 I did notice but the, one but it thing. it came with it. What's that? But it came with it. Well, because with it. Monterey. Or did yeah, you, because you didn't, you was, didn't go through the Monterey back, downgrade like no. you did on the iMac. No. Okay. No, it just came with oh, okay. it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. just yeah, because it was brand new. It just had been sitting in the box for a while. So I put Apple Care on it. My Apple Care just started this week, so I got three years of Apple Care. Like I'm all good. Um, I nice. did notice something though, because I no longer have Intel machines in the house slash office anymore. Because Lisa's machine that died was the in the storm was the M um, was the Intel Mini, and of course this was the Intel yeah. iMac, and uh, migrating both of those setups to Apple Silicon. I learned something and it, it happened on both. Most apps that each of us had on our machines were universal. So when I booted up to, uh, you know, M1 Apple Silicon, it just it was like, okay, fine. Like I'll, I'll, I run natively on this platform too. There were two apps though, that on both machines needed to be downloaded fresh and have reinstalled in order to run Apple Silicon. And those apps are Microsoft edge and one password. You have to go download the specific installer for Apple Silicon from Microsoft and from the folks at one password. So just FYI. Yep. Yeah. Just, and, and like one password would at least run in Rosetta mode uh, here so that was fine like i could get it up and running but then i had to i you know i want it to be efficient um microsoft edge the intel version like for whatever reason would not run not even in rosetta it was bizarre so i just had to go get another version of it but yep so so you know it's all fine it's good man uh-huh uh-huh it's been an expensive summer yeah you know? i know I- <laughs> I started off, I mean, I got my new laptop, my MacBook Pro M2, 16-inch, love it. Right. That was my own choice. The rest of the choices have not been mine, and and not just tech. Right. Right. Leaks in our house, pool pump's dead, Uh, you know, daughter's beater needs $1,500 worth of work, Uh, you know, little things like that. All those things. (laughs) It's it's how this summer's been. Let's... um, Let's take a couple of minutes. We have a couple of minutes left. Let's make it a little bit more expensive for folks um, and share go. a couple of cool things found so that we can all sort of be in the same boat here. Uh, one of the first things I wanted to share is if you are a Comcast slash Xfinity provider, they now offer wireless backup connectivity for use during storms. When they're, you know, when they, they are a, yeah. right, they are a wired connection sure. yeah. that is not fiber, so far more susceptible to lightning damage. And you can get this box that you put at your house and you can rent it for $7 a month for 36 months, or you can purchase it for $252 and seven times 36 is 252. So I would just 
take the interest-free loan on that. Um, and then it lives in your home uh, and is ready to jump on a cellular circuit if and when your Comcast connection goes down. You have to be a Comcast subscriber. Those of us who are on like fiber can't pay Comcast $7 a month for this service. I asked. (laughs) Hey, can I only have uh, seven bucks a month on limited internet? Yeah. They call it Xfinity storm ready Wi-Fi, And it comes with a four hour battery in the unit too, so that you get Wi-Fi, even if like not only your cable is like literally down, but also when the power is out at least for four hours. So uh, Yeah. 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 So I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, So I wanted to share that we talked in the last episode, Pete, about uh, various apps for uh, showing keyboard shortcuts on the Mac because boy, was I upset when I saw this one come through Ah. because that because key is the one I could not remember Mm -hmm. to save my bacon. Yep. Well, well, thank, thank goodness. Yeah. Thank goodness. My face is too big uh, on our discord shared key cue from Ergonis. So we'll link to yep. that in the show notes. And then Matt one shared another one uh, called Paletro P A L E T R O. Of course we will share both of those, but these are things that uh, with a keystroke will just show you a window that highlights all of the key commands. Of course, the one that we were talking about in the finder that led to this discussion shows up in neither of these apps. I will point out, but other ones do. So it, it is handy. It is handy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, that's, I was just so bummed. I, I've, I've used key crew, key cue for years and yeah. then it, it slipped off my machines and then, and so I couldn't, that's why I couldn't remember it. Got and it. I'll probably go back to that. So. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Um, listener Rod shares a, uh, a, a, well, a web app, a service, um, called Tango at, uh, T A N G O dot U S. He says, this allows you to document processes or or for like training and things like that and you just sort of walk through it it captures your screen and your video and your sound and you just walk someone through doing something you walk yourself through doing something and you don't have to take any screenshots it does all of that for you it also builds a uh like a step-by-step flow based on what it sees you doing and what it's uh listening to So like you can just hand it to somebody and be like, oh, yeah, go do this. It will allow you to um, like blur portions of the video. If like you have passwords or sensitive data in the video, you can blur those out before you share this stuff. So, yeah, the uh, it's called Tango and it is create how to guides in minutes. I messed with it a little bit. There is a YouTube video that I will put uh, in the show notes because it is like go watch this video and it will it, you, you'll see it in action and then you'll be like oh my gosh like i need it, so it's super intuitive then and super it, it yeah that's the oh, whole nice. thing is it it just like it is intuitive i've been traveling go ahead you just caught cost money she loves screenshot oh that's fair yeah capture, yeah yeah. You know, yeah 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 <laughs> um i have been doing some traveling this summer as we all know as I've shared on the show. And one of the things that I have brought with me for all of my travels is the new um, iteration of the flip speaker, the portable speaker from JBL, the flip yeah. six. Uh, this is it, the, the, the sound on this is, you know, I've had every version of the flip because it's, it's what I do. I check all these things out. This one has a much more, 
I would say rounded sound quality to it. It the the mm, bass. Okay. I, I guess I guess there is more low end to it, but it doesn't feel like it has like gratuitous low end. It it feels like it has the right amount of low end. And it will fill, you know, I've been using it like in Airbnbs and, and hotel rooms, and it fills the room with with good sound. Uh, it's got a battery in it, of course, 12 hours of playtime. It is IPX7 waterproof. So, uh, yeah, it, it, I, I, I love this thing. Uh, and you can get it at least on Amazon today. It's it, it, The MSRP is one, 130 or 129.95, and you can get it today for 89 bucks on Amazon. So Nice. I know. Quick funny story about gratuitous sound. Yes. Debbie picked me up at the airport. We're sitting at the uh, circle down on Route 60 near Logan Airport. Sure. We're jammed up because cars are going around the circle. Yep. Debbie's reaching up and she's trying to turn down the radio. Oh. It was the car next to us. She goes, why? Wow. I go, that's that's him. Wow. <laughs> so you didn't need to spend all that money on a nice car stereo, honey. We'll just listen to his. Oh, wow. <laughs> it was that loud. I have one last Cool stuff found to share before yeah. we were a little bit out of time, but uh, I'll share it anyway. It's actually two things moving to a uh, third party external display as my primary screen here on this Mac in the studio and it not being a Thunderbolt display. I needed system a way settings doesn't work. System settings does not work to control the brightness. Correct. Mm -hmm. And I like to be able to control the brightness up here in the studio. So I started looking at third party apps. I found one. Uh, the first one I found, I, I, I think, was this app called Display Buddy, which is available in Set App, uh, or you can buy it, you know, separately. And it it works, but um, it was not able. There's there's several modes of controlling a screen. There's like DCC mode and uh, something else, the Apple mode, and then there's what they call software mode, where it just literally changes the colors on the screen to simulate a, a reduction in brightness. And it actually works like it, it, it makes the screen shine less light, but, um, and, and they said, Oh, if yeah, if you're doing this over HDMI on a Mac studio, you can't do DCC or whatever. Like, okay. So then I tried an app called lunar, uh, which effect effectively does the same thing. But for whatever reason, this one does control the screen's actual brightness over HDMI from my Mac mini, same cable, same thing. Never once did my fingers leave my hands. So I am at the moment anyway, using lunar, which uh, I think I'm still in the 14 day trial, but my guess is I will um, be a, a paid member for $23 with a lifetime license. Nice. It is D D C not D C C. I said the wrong thing. But, Delta uh, Delta Charlie uh, display data oh. channel, but yes, Delta yeah. Delta Charlie. That's correct. Yeah. So those are my, uh, those are my things. That's what, uh, that's Love what I got it. for today. Love it. And assuming you folks are hearing this episode, then it means my Mac studio has survived its maiden Mac geek cap voyage, which is nice really a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> yep. -er. Hey, speaking of using the phonetic alphabet, I got trivia for you, Dave. You'll what? like it. I, I love like airport stuff. I do. What do you think they use in Atlanta? which is the hub for Delta Airlines instead of Delta. Oh. Right? You're on the Delta taxi. Well, oh, no. Oh. That would just confuse everything. Right. What they do use they Dixie. use? Dixie. Oh, yeah. of course they yeah. do. Ah, I like that. Just a little aviation trivia for everybody. It, but that's not every airport, just that one airport. Just Atlanta. Just Every Atlanta. other airport in the world, it's the Delta taxiway. Atlanta, it's the Dixie taxiway. 
Fascinating. Fascinating. Yeah. Interesting. 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 Chicago <laughs> used to be one of the bad ones. They'd be like, go down Cherry Street. And then, you know, oh, they almost had a mishap and the FAA came in. This is 25, 30 years oh. ago. FAA oh. came in and said, no, no, stop with your lo- local col- colloquialisms. Yeah. yeah. Go to standard. That makes sense. I mean, come yeah. on. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So I wonder when the We're FAA is going to tell it, about. tell Atlanta to uh, knock that off and just call it Delta. Right. Oh, man, imagine that confusion. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, but Delta's also in Chicago. Like oh, it's they are. not that much confusion. But it's not but it's it, it's obviously Atlanta being their worldwide central hub. I'd yeah. say eighty-five percent of the flights in and out of there are Delta Airlines. Okay, and okay. it will get confusing very fast if you're trying to use the Delta tech. Wait a minute, were they calling us? No, no, they're talking about a taxiway. Yeah, fair. Okay, yeah. I can see that. Sure, maybe Delta should change their name. Right, Dixie Airlines. Dixie Air. Oh man, I don't think so. All right. No. Thanks for hanging out with us, folks. Thanks to Cashfly for providing all the bandwidth to get the show from us to you. Thank you to all of our premium listeners. You folks really are part of the magic that makes the show possible. If you want to learn more about that, MacGeekGab.com slash premium. You really rock in it. It, it, is, it. it is part of the, the MacGeekGab family, the partnership that we all have here. It really makes a huge difference. Uh, yeah, thank you. And uh, go check out Pete's other show. Uh, it's called uh, So There I Was, and that is for aviation enthusiasts, where they might even talk about stuff like that. You can check yeah. out my other shows, Business Brain, for entrepreneurs, where we tune our business brains together each week, and Gig Gab, for working musicians or anyone who wants to see behind the curtain of what it's like to be a working musician. Speaking of which, I need to finish producing the show and then go play five gigs this weekend. So, wish me luck. Count them five. Count them five. That's right. Yeah, five things. Hey, you got anything left to share? Just one thing, Dave, while you're out playing those gigs, don't get caught. Made on a Mac. Thanks, Pete. That's good advice. I try. <laughs>